this is Brother Mac, and I'm so thankful that you chose to listen to the Brother Mac podcast today. Today's message comes from the book of James, chapter 1, verses 1 through 8. Our hope is that today's message is relevant to what you're going through, and that God can use it to encourage you and bring you joy. Thank you for listening, and if it blesses you, please share this podcast with others. All right, James, chapter 1. We'll begin in the book of James, chapter 1, beginning there. It says, James, a servant of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ, to the twelve tribes and to the dispersion, greetings. Now, now, James says in verse 2, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds, for you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness, and let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. You know, that's a very challenging verse. Because that verse right off the bat says, count it all joy. And you think, okay, there's a lot of things to be joyous about. There's, it's, joy, it's a joy to, to be with family. It's a joy to have something to do during the day, something to do with your hands, something to do with your mind. It's, it's a joy to have groceries in the cabinet and somewhere to cook them. It's a joy to lay your head down at night and have a roof over your head. And if you're like me, it's a joy to have a CPAP machine that keeps you breathing through the night, okay? Those things are joy. But, but you know what? It's easy to be excited about the good things in life. It's easy to be excited about those things that help you and don't hinder you. But what James is saying here is, Count all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials. Now, now why would he say something like that? It's because the reality is that no matter how old you are, no matter how old you get, no matter... It doesn't, it doesn't, it's not a, a constraint of time. If you've stuck your toe in this world, the reality is that trials will come. Now, of course, there are different types of trials. There are trials that we've talked about over the last couple of months that we bring upon ourselves. We make some really stupid decisions in life, right? And, and we get the fruit of those uh, decisions. Basically, uh, we reap what we sow. That's a trial. Even though you're the reason for it, it's still a trial. Now, what we've seen in the last years, we looked in Scripture, there's a difference between suffering for Christ and that making decisions and living a godly life and, and the consequences of that, God recognizes those differently, okay? God rewards those differently than you making a stupid decision, okay? So, so we're not talking about that, but what James is talking about here is when you go through trouble, when you go through tribulation, when you go through trials, whether they're by your own choices, we also realize there are things that happen to us because we live in a sinful world, right? There are people that are just ravaged by sin, okay? We can look at our own lives. What would we be like without Christ? What were we like before we met Christ? Okay, this whole world is broken. This whole world is fallen. And the reason bad things happen to good people is because, first off, there's no such thing as a good person. Okay, but also the reason that bad things happen is because we live in a sinful, broken world. And because we live in a sinful, broken world, our desires are not what they should be. Our, 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 what we do with our hands is not what we should do. What we do with our mind is not what we should do. We sin, and the collateral damage of sin in our life and the collateral damage of sin in other people's lives is that we don't live in a vacuum, that we impact the lives of other people. So we have trials that we have because we've committed them. We have trials that we have because there are other people that have done them to us. And then sometimes there are trials that we have that don't fit into one of those two categories. Cancer is not somebody trying to get you. Okay, A tornado hitting your house is not somebody trying to get you. The reason that we have cancer, the reason that we have tornadoes, the reason that all these different things happen is because we live in a fallen world. Okay? 
So trials can come anywhere. They can come by your choices. They can come by the choices of others. Or they can just come by what we can just refer to as life. Things that happen to you that it just happens. You're completely healthy. You run every day, which of course is not me. Um, You eat right your entire life and you have a heart attack. Because guess what? In your genetics, in your DNA, your family has issues with heart disease. That is what I'm talking about when I talk about those things that just happen because we live in a broken world. We're going to die somehow. Um, I, I hope that we've, if anything we've learned through this COVID-19 is first off that life is very precious. But something that I really wish that we would learn is that even though we don't want to die by COVID-19, the reality is we're going to die from something. There is something that's going to kill us. We are all, unless Jesus comes back, we are all living a terminal life. And it's just a matter of when and where and how we die. And that is a result of the fall. That's a result of what has happened to us because of not just Adam and Eve's sin. It's so easy to look at them and say it's their fault. But that person in the mirror in the morning that you're looking at, that's also the reason that we have sin in this world. And the people that you see on the street, that's the reason that we have sin in this world. <coughs> now you're making me want to cough a little bit. So, so when he says this, just the reality is, is that we're all going to have trials... But he says here that in your trials, you're to have joy. Now, let's talk about joy for just a moment. Is joy necessarily happiness? No. If something happens to my child, I'm not going to be happy. If something happens to my spouse, I'm not going to be happy. If something happens to me, I'm not going to be happy. Okay, so, so when I want you to think about joy, and I said this when I was trying to do the, the quarantine church online, is when you think about joy, what you want to think about is an enduring, lasting trust in God, basically to where joy is your anchor in this world. You will have an anchor in Christ, so that no matter what happens on the surface, <clears throat> no matter what hurricane may come, no matter what storm may come, There is an anchor, and as the old song says, the anchor holds. So when we think about trials and we go through tribulations, what we really are thinking of and what we're having joy in is not just the idea of joy. It's in knowing that no matter what I go through, God, there is a purpose for it. No matter what the cause is, there's a purpose for it. You're trying to do something in it, and my job is to be joyous because even though I don't understand... Even though you may be racked with tears, there is a reason, there is something God is doing, and you're to remain anchored in Him. Your joy is Jesus. <clears throat> so we're to have joy. And knowing that when we have go through those trials and tribulations, verse 3, that you need to know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. What he's saying is regardless of why you're going through that trial, God can do something in you during that trial. God is, God is teaching you through that trial. Forget what the cause is. Whatever you're going through, God is going to teach you something through it. But what have you got to do? You've got to listen. You've got to hold tight and say, God... There, even when it doesn't make any sense, God, there is no light in this tunnel. God, there is, it, it even may be a terminal diagnosis, okay? You may realize in that moment that there's no 
turning back from what I'm going through. James says this, have joy because even in your final hours, God is still trying to do something in you. <clears throat> and what's amazing is, and we know this in life, is not only God doing something in you, but He's not just doing it for your benefit, but He's doing it for the benefit of those around you. Because it is evident when God is doing something in the life of somebody else. So verse 4, it says this. <coughs> Excuse me. I wish I hadn't uh, drank all my water. And let steadfastness have its full effect, that you may per be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. So you've got trials. He says to be joyous in trials. You've got the reality that the testing of your faith is producing steadfastness. Which steadfastness is that consistency. Steadfastness is that stick to itness. Steadfastness is that peace that surpasses all understanding. And I like what it says here. And let steadfastness have its full effect. I like that word let. Let steadfastness have its full effect. When my babies were younger, well, not really babies anymore, um, we had to take him to the doctor. And, and one particular time I remember is when Keaton had to go to the emergency room. It ended up being admitted to the hospital for asthma. And um, the nurses were trying to get an IV in him. And we were sitting there just crying. And they couldn't get him to sit still enough. And uh, I got over there and I pinned my son down. So they could put the IV in. Why would I pin my son down? Because he needed the treatment. And the only way that he was going to get the treatment was if I pinned him down. You, you see, when, when we talk about going someplace, he wouldn't let us treat him, okay? He wouldn't let them put the IV in. But we held him down so that he had no option. This verse is saying this. God is doing something. <clears throat> God is working in your life. Don't lose heart. Don't be impatient. Let him continue to work. Okay? And guess what's going to happen? As you let him, <clears throat> as you walk with him, steadfastness is going to have its full effect. And the effect of that is you're going to be perfect and complete Lacking in nothing. Perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing. So that's the goal. That we're perfect and complete. Lacking in nothing. I think this goes back to what Paul says. Paul says, whatever situation I find myself in. Okay, remember that? He, he says, I, 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 I can't quote it exactly. But he says, no matter what situation I find myself in. Basically what he says in that scripture is, I'm okay because I'm in Christ. Whether I'm rich, whether I'm poor, whether I'm well, whether I'm sick, no matter what situation I find myself in, in that situation, I am found basically saying perfect and complete, lacking in nothing, because His ultimate joy is in Christ. Verse 5. We're going to go through around verse 8 today. James says this. So, so understanding this, if you ask any of you lacks wisdom... <coughs> Excuse me. Let him ask God. 
and who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. Now this is the one when I was doing the quarantine church online, which was very difficult to hash out in just a few minutes. And in fact, I want to say this is probably where I stopped because there's just no way to handle this in just a couple of minutes. So let's look at this quickly. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask God. What is wisdom? Wisdom is understanding, right? Wisdom is taking the knowledge and actually being able to apply it. Okay? Wisdom is looking at all the details and be able to rightly understand it. So, so when we look at this and we're talking about wisdom, we're not necessarily talking about the answer to a question. I mean, an answer to a question can give us wisdom, but if you think of a doctor and having tests run at a doctor's office, <coughs> excuse me, in a doctor's office, they have all different tests and different diagnostics, and this test tells you this one, and this test gives you this result, and this test gives you that result. But then whenever you, the doctor sits there, the doctor looks at all the different results, and through his training or her training and through their wisdom, they take those results, they put them together, and they give you a diagnosis, right? So, so when it comes to lacking wisdom, it says there, let him ask of God who gives generously to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But, verse 6 again, says, let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. For that person must not suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man and stable in all his ways. Now, I'm going to be honest with you, I struggle with this verse. Because in this verse, it almost makes it sound as if if I don't trust enough, if I don't pray enough, if I don't seek enough, the fruit of that is that I'm not going to get my answer. Okay? There is some truth to that in this scripture. I mean, that's exactly how it's read. If you look at it, it says, ask, but ask without doubting. Why do people doubt when they pray? Or why do people doubt when they seek wisdom? Well, generally it's because their prayer doesn't get answered the way that they want it to be answered. Or generally it's because they're not asking for wisdom, they're asking for an answer. And here's the thing is, God may give you an answer. He may. But wisdom is greater than an answer. An answer is that you have a particular type of cancer. Okay? An answer is this particular type of cancer is treated with this particular type of chemotherapy. Wisdom is understanding that we live in a fallen, broken world, and this cancer is in your life for a reason. And wisdom is understanding that this is the particular drug that's prescribed so that it can treat this particular type of cancer. But wisdom is also understanding with everything else that we understand from Scripture and life is that we're going to take this medication, we're going to go through this treatment, but if this doesn't work, wisdom tells me that based on Romans 8, God's got something better prepared for me in the life to come. You see the difference in an answer in wisdom? See, an answer is almost finite. It's, I got my answer, I'm done. Wisdom carries us on through the rest of life. Going through a cancer treatment, you've got all the answers you want to, but how do you apply that to somebody else's life? But wisdom is taking it to a greater level. So be careful what I'm saying was when you ask, and you ask for wisdom and you ask for understanding, don't be discouraged if really at the heart of hearts and the, the inside of you, you're really looking for an answer and God doesn't give you an answer. I mentioned on the quarantine church that in Hebrews 11, you see the, what we call the hall of faith. And you see all these different individuals that, that served God, Moses and 
and, and Abraham and David. And uh, don't think they didn't have prayers where they asked God questions. Abraham, how is it that my descendants are going to be numerous as the stars? How is it my descendants are going to be as, as plentiful as the grains of the sand? How is it? Do you think he ever saw that come to pass? Do you think he ever really truly <coughs> in his heart of hearts understood it? But in wisdom, he understood that God had made him a promise and God is going to fulfill that promise. And from a different place and a different perspective, Abraham is looking today and seeing God's promises fulfilled. You see, we've got to realize that just because we die in this world doesn't mean we forget about it in the next. Just because we die in this world doesn't mean that we're going to not see the fruition of God's promises. But wisdom really goes back to joy, which is true godly wisdom, trust that God ultimately has control God ultimately has the answers. And guess what? At the end of the day, I can trust God. It's okay. Try to say this the right way. It's okay to take your frustrations to God. It's okay to be honest with God. But true wisdom comes in the moment where you realize that my way, His ways are not our ways. That his understanding is not our understanding. And if we can glean even a little bit of wisdom, it's a definite gift from God. What's amazing is throughout all eternity, forever and ever and ever and ever and a day, if there's such a thing that exists, God is going to reveal himself to us. There's never going to be a day in eternity where we don't learn something new about God. And every time we learn something else, we're going to be like, oh my, that is amazing, Okay. We're going to be completely overwhelmed. So even a little bit of wisdom is an amazing thing. But if you want wisdom, ask. And guess what? Ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. What's another reason we get frustrated and we start doubting God? It's not only just the fact that we want an answer, but it's also because we have a timetable. God, I want you to answer it right now. I want you to answer it in this moment. God, I need an answer. I need to understand right now. I've not shared much with you about this, but my wife left when I was pastor. And many times um, I sat there and said, God, why? You don't like divorce. Why? God, fix this. Have you ever had something like that happen in your life? God, fix this. You, I know you don't like this. God, fix it. I had a lot of people come around with some really stupid answers. I don't know if you ever found that. When you go through trials and tribulations, people come around with some really, really dumb answers. I had somebody come around and said, God just knows he, he's got somebody better prepared for you. He's moving you in that direction. That is stupid. Now, don't get me wrong. I love my wife now. I wouldn't trade her for anything. Except a truck. Now I'm playing. That's a joke. That's a joke. Um... But ignorance is saying that I went through what I went through just so that I could have this happen to me and marry her. That's ignorance. That's unbiblical. Now, I don't know if this is what I was supposed to learn from it, but this is the wisdom that I got from it. It's two sinful people trying to, to work together to make something work that God has put together. If that doesn't work out, it's not 
God's fault is because two sinful people are in the mix. And yes, God hates divorce. God despises divorce. But the reality is there are two sinful people that made decisions that sent things in a different way. And what I can say today is that even though back then I said, God, why don't you fix it? God, what what am I doing wrong? What can I do? The reality, there are some situations you can't fix. There are some things that you can't pick up the pieces and put them together the way that you want to. Just the way it is. And it's because we live in a sinful world. So, so, So what do you do when the marriage doesn't work? What do you do when the health scare doesn't go away? What do you do when the relationship is not fixed? What do you do when you know you've done everything you know to do to fix it, but it can't be made right? James says this, have joy that you've got an anchor. That despite the spouse leaving, despite the losing the job, despite losing the home, despite losing the house or the home and, and the job and the health and everything else, you've got an anchor in Christ. That's your joy. To the extent that even when I was sitting on my parents' front porch, not even having a word to speak, for the first time in my life, only wanting to be by myself and just look out in the space, the Bible says that the Spirit was praying on my behalf, and God heard a prayer that I could not vocalize myself, because He is the anchor that holds We're to have joy. We're to ask for wisdom. We're to ask in faith. And guess what? We're going to receive something from God in the end. Last thing I want to share, and this kind of goes back to, uh, again, the quarantine church when I put it online. Uh, Many of you are familiar with the pastor David Jeremiah. I believe he had pastors of church at Shadow Brook, I want to say maybe, in California. Did I say that right? Shadow Community Church? Of Shadow Mountain. I knew Shadow something. Um, And he had a a, a battle with cancer many, many years ago. But he said what he does is he keeps a, a journal of his prayer requests. And then he says what he does periodically is he goes back through and he looks over his prayer request to see how God has answered his prayers. And he said it's an amazing over time to see how God answers prayers. Let's go back to what we were just saying a second ago as we close. So, so we ask and we want an answer. We get discouraged and we get disheartened. We ask and we have a particular time frame that we want to have an answer in. And the last thing I want to say is we get discouraged because we ask but we're so short-sighted we forget what we asked. So that years pass and God answers a prayer, but we don't ever, ever remember asking the prayer for or wisdom to begin with. So we see here as we close that we need to remember what God has done. And it may be, it may for you, I'm not a good journaling person. I really wish I was. I'm not. I don't have a diary because I don't want anybody to know my true thoughts once I'm gone. Uh, that's dangerous to me. I, I don't write down stuff. Um, I, you know, if I get mad at somebody, I don't want them reading that after I'm gone. It's just I got mad at you, it's over. We're not going to talk about it anymore. But I know some people write everything out. 
Um, but maybe you need to start writing your prayers down and, and coming back and revisiting that. Maybe you just need to write down your prayer concerns and revisit that. Find some way to record um, how God is, is, is how, what you're asking and how God's responding. And, and just as a sign that was amazing is when you're dead and gone, which that will happen to all of us unless God returns, Christ returns, somebody else can pick up your words and see where God answered your prayers. So have joy. Have joy. Joy is an anchor in Christ. Ask for wisdom and don't, first off, regret asking and don't doubt when you ask. And God will answer. May God bless the reading and the teaching of his word and may we understand and apply it in our lives.